Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, it's the Cleveland Guardians 6, the Kansas City Royals 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And good game, good Guardians game. A pretty solid win, you got to be happy about that. However, however, the, the, the shade to this game is... You know, we just got done playing the Atlanta Braves, the best team in baseball. This is against the Kansas City Royals. And, I mean, it's it's a pretty comparable ratio. I mean, we are to the Kansas City Royals what the Atlanta Braves were to us. Right? Like, we are a step up, clearly, from the Kansas City Royals. I, there's no denying that. I'm, the record alone shows that. The talent, it's all there, Right? We're a class above the Kansas City Royals, for sure. And the Atlanta Braves are that same step above us. You know, when it comes to being the best team in baseball. And, I mean, what what a weird series to be back-to-back. And, like, just get to witness it firsthand. The way Bybee... You know, struggles a little bit with command at the beginning of the game. Actually, you know, settles down and has a fine game. He goes five innings pitched, four hits, one earned run. That's it, one earned run. Four walks, but only one earned run. Four strikeouts, no home runs allowed. He's hard hit seven times uh, on 91 pitches. And and if Ahmed Rosario does not boot the ball with two outs in that fifth inning, right? He's through four and two-thirds. Ahmed Rosario boots a ground ball and just literally tries to come up throwing before he's even got the ball in his mitt. Classic error. Uh, Bybee was only at 80. I think I looked at my phone real quickly. I think it was like 84 pitches. He would have come back out for that sixth inning. I think he would have come back out for that sixth inning at 84 pitches. At 91 pitches, it's the last batter he faces. So he's got, you know, Ahmed Rosario definitely owes him uh, I don't know, a drink tonight, uh, owes, you know, owes him dinner. I don't know what, you know, what the uh, kangaroo court, what the locker room court decides for, you know, an error like that. But he owes him something. I don't know, maybe just bring the guy a cookie tomorrow or something like that. Because uh, he took an inning away from Bybee there. I, I, I think this, he would have at least, at least gone into the sixth inning. Uh Without that error. So, uh, it's nothing to hang your hat about. But the four walks, the, the you know, the, uh, the, the inability to get the fastball down. Uh, they, I mean, of course, there's a few uh, fastballs that make it down. But not, uh, one. One fastball got really below the thighs. I mean, most fastballs aren't even a, aren't below the belt. He can't get them below the belt, really, on this day. It's all up. Letters, belt, letters, up above the head and the shoulders. He can't get that fastball to the bottom of the zone. I don't know how often he actually throws a fastball to the bottom of the zone, but it felt like everything was up today with his fastball. But Kansas City doesn't have the firepower to make him pay. No, actually, with his fastball, his heat map with his fastball shows it in the bottom half of the strike zone, at least. It is kind of around the middle, glove side of the plate, 
Uh, definitely throws it a lot to the glove side of the plate, um, according to his heat map here. But uh, he does keep it down for the most part. That That's what the data is showing me on 550 pitches. It's a good sample size there to say Bybee can usually get that fastball down in the strike zone and uh, wasn't able to do it. Atlanta, the four walks, fastball's up. Atlanta would have made him pay. And Kansas City's got a few good hitters in their lineup. Some of them are not having their best season. They don't have the firepower to make him pay. Uh, they get a run in that first inning. Uh, with one out, Bobby Witt Jr. with a soft single to center field. Salvador Perez walks. Prado with a single that drives in Bobby Witt. But he gets Oliveri's to fly out and MJ Melendez to pop out. So, and I mean, expected batting averages of 0-1-0. So neither of these uh, balls put in play are trouble. That's that's nice bounce back right there. Would it have been the same situation against a team like Atlanta? That's what I'm asking you to consider. So I don't want to take away the good feelings of the, uh, you know, of the win. I'm trying to find where the location was. So uh, Oliveri's. Uh, flew out on a, a high fastball at the top of the zone. Uh, Melendez, his pop-out was on a curveball. Uh, curveball kind of down the middle of the plate. Kind of down, and he pops it up to second base. So, again, I got to think the Atlanta hitters would have done some damage, especially with this curveball to Melendez, which is pretty much middle-middle, a hanging curveball. Uh, so, uh yeah, it's it's nice. It's nice to get a break from the Atlantas of the world. I mean, it's, those were high leverage, high stress games. Uh, but just, you know, put that into perspective a little bit, right? Atlanta definitely puts uh, going back to the American League Central into perspective. With that said, it's nice to know that the Guardians are in that next class. Right? I think we can all agree they're they're not probably contending for a championship the way they're currently designed. But there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot to like about the Cleveland Guardians right now. I think the thing that's got fans the most frustrated right now is there's no clear indication what this team, what this front office wants to do about the 2023 season. I mean, uh, we're a game under 500 again. Uh, the four game set against Kansas City, we very well should be above 500 going into the All Star break. We, uh, you know, we did play Atlanta competitively until that final game. You know, we beat them uh, in the the holiday game on the Fourth of July. So it's not like we can't go toe to toe with these big teams. Uh, we just don't have the firepower they have to bury a team like the way they buried us on Wednesday night. Uh, my brother teased me. He's like, "We can we please take dad to a game where we win? Um, so, uh, you know, we're a game and a half back of Minnesota. And uh, there's no clear indication what this front office wants to do with the 2023 season. Are, are we going for the division or not? Because if we are... There's some pretty clear moves that have to be made. You need to find some kind of power bat for the middle of this lineup and for right field. You have to. You can't play three center fielders with no home run ability. I mean, it, it is it is shameful how little power our outfield has. 
and it's not Quan, and it's not Straw, and it's not Brennan's fault. They are the players they are. It's the front office's fault for assembling an outfield with three hitters of the same mold, basically. Will Brennan develop some power? Will Quan develop some power? Maybe. Straw is never going to develop power. Straw. I, uh, so there's things they could do to indicate to us that, yes, we are going to continue to compete this season. And we think we can improve this team. And we think we might be able to get to that level where we can go toe-to-toe with the Atlantas and the Yankees and the Tampa Bays and the Houstons. Um, although Texas is leading the West right right now. Yeah, Texas has been running away with it all season. Um, so one of those things is find some power for right field. Move Brennan to center field and bench Miles Straw. I know Straw has an RBI hit in this game. I know, late in this game, with two out, with nobody out, in fact, with nobody out, Andres Jimenez uh, reaches, uh, twice he does this. Uh, he reaches with a single in the eighth inning. In the uh, sixth inning, it was with a walk. Uh, but in the eighth inning with a single, and then Bell with the weakest freaking ground out I've ever seen to second base. Uh, I can't believe a guy like Josh Bell can't drive a runner in from third with nobody out. He can't find a way to get that guy home. Brennan pops one up to shallow center field. He can't get him home. Miles Straw bloops one in, though. Miles Straw drops one in. 95.4 mile per exit velocity. It's a nice single. I can't take that away from him. I don't want to see Miles Straw up the bat anymore in these important situations. I know he plays good defense. I think he had a good catch some at some point in this game. I know his defense is absolutely fantastic. I think Brennan can hold down center field. If you went out and found a 25 homer bat for right field, you know how long has Bins kind you know the list. Someone had the list of everyone in the Tito era uh, on Twitter. Uh, it was, I think it was at, at Fermil's eye, eyebrows or something like that on Twitter. Um, it's 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 a Twitter account that's quite popular in the Guardian circles. He's he's constantly constantly posting. He's I think he's a uh, a Guardians podcaster that just has a second account, but. Uh, he posted the home run hitters for the um, for the the uh, Terry Francona era uh, at for meals at friend meals eyebrow yeah la mole he goes by on Twitter and uh, aside from like Michael Brantley teens they were hitting in the teens it was like Ryan Rayburn was the next highest home run hitter it was it was ridiculous. There has been no power in the outfield the entire time Terry Francona has been running this team, has been manager of this team. Not 100% his fault. That also could be reflective of Antonetti and Chernoff. But, God, if we could find someone who could hit 20, 25 home runs and stick them in right field and play good enough defense and stick them in the middle of this lineup, it's what Josh Bell was supposed to be when we signed him. And that's the other problem. I mean... How long do we let Josh Bell hit this poorly? He's got a 673 OPS. I don't care about the 222 batting average, in fact. It's the slugging percentage that worries me. He's got a 673 OPS. This mountain of a man who hits the ball harder than anybody on our team. And he can't square one up in a game. Very rarely it's been this season he's actually squared one up in a game. 
And this ground out in the eighth inning is the perfect example of this. All he's got to do is hit the ball hard somewhere, and Jimenez can probably score. Even if he flies out, it doesn't matter. We need more slugging, and it should have been Bell. It probably should have been Zanino and Bell, but we're not getting it from them. Bo Naylor is coming along very slowly. I'm still encouraged by Bo Naylor. He had some hard shots in this game uh, where he doubles uh, into right field. Actually, the double, that was the interesting part. He took a little bit, he took his foot off the pedal a little bit, took a little gas off of it, and kind of just flipped one into right field and ends up with a double. Ends up with an RBI double. Oh, no, no, uh, oh yeah, Brennan comes all the way around from first to score. That's right. Uh, they get Andres Jimenez home in the sixth inning because Nicky Lopez has an error at second base. Now, that's one of the reasons. Okay, I'm going off on a total tangent here, but I'm, following, I'm finishing up the Andres Jimenez thoughts. He steals his way to third twice in this game. And getting to third with less than two outs, we talk about it all the time, so many ways. So many ways to score. One of them is a fielding error by the second baseman. Not a very conventional way to score, but you put yourself in that situation by being ultra-aggressive on the base paths, and good things happen. So, awesome job. Awesome job by Andres Jimenez pushing the envelope on the base paths in this game. Huge. Uh, So he scores on the Will Brennan fielding error, but then Naylor drives him in with some mild contact. Just the right kind of contact. Um, So that was nice to see. Uh, I know last night he had a couple of hard hit ones um, that went for outs. Oh, he grounds into a double play at 104.6 miles per hour. So see, 104.6, it's a grounded double play to end the uh, second inning. Uh, So yeah, so uh, I know he's developing slowly, but there's still... I still have high hopes for Bo Naylor. Like, every time he's up, I'm very interested in the at-bat. I think I think by the end of the season, you'll see some improvements in Bo Naylor. Some, some big steps forward for Bo Naylor. Um, obviously, Zanino, it was never going to happen. And I, I don't know if Josh Bell is going to turn it around. If he could, if Josh Bell could turn it around, and you could add some power into right field, I mean, then this lineup would be dangerous. With Jose Ramirez and uh, the older Naylor, Josh Naylor, you know, absolutely mashing the ball in our th- as our three four hitters, Quan and Rosario actually getting on base now. Andres Jimenez seemingly turning it on. I mean, Jimenez has been absolutely fantastic recently. So uh, if you found power to complement all that. Imagine what this lineup could actually, it could actually be a threat to those teams, those teams we talked about earlier in the episode. So I, I know it's weird to pick on this Kansas City game where we win 6-1, to one, we have a nice comfortable win to kind of go down this. But that's all what I was thinking this whole game. I was just reflecting on that Atlanta series and uh, thinking the possibility still for this 2023 season. I'm not giving up on it. Whether they trade Shane Bieber or not, I don't even think that's reflective of where this 2023 season could end up. That that literally just might be about Shane Bieber. And uh, the fact that they can't re-sign him or something like that and what they have to do with the asset they have. Um, that uh, it's, it's 
cold, it's callous to say, but it might be a business decision. Over his last 15 games, Andres Jimenez is hitting 286 with over an 800 OPS. Over his last seven games, Andres Jimenez is hitting 320 with over 1,000 OPS. So yeah, uh, really coming on strong lately has been Andres Jimenez. And if he rolls the second half of the season into the second half of the season like this, huge, huge for this offense. Now there is one internal option, and you know our our friend Jeff with a G, Jeff in Columbus, reminded us that Oscar Gonzalez has been playing well. So you could take a guy like Arias, who's just rotting on the bench right now, and there's been a lot of conversation about his attitude and his work ethic and why he might be riding the bench. If you send him down to AAA and bring up Oscar Gonzalez and move Brennan over and start him in center field and have Oscar Gonzalez out there in right field and use Straw as a defensive replacement late in the game when you have a lead, not when you're down, please not. I don't want to see the, – the lineup will find Straw if you put him in late in a game and he has to bat in a, in a pivotal situation. The lineup will find him. The baseball gods will find him. Uh, so, yeah, so – that's a that's a that could work. That could be something. I I don't know if Oscar Gonzalez making that leap back to major league pitching if the momentum will carry over or not. Uh, probably not. Probably not. It's a tough road, but it's an option. It's definitely worth trying here in the month of July. Why not try it in the month of July? You still got a whole month to figure out a trade. I don't even know what power hitting. I don't know what guy I'm talking about. I don't know what team that's kind of out of it is going to give away a 25 home run guy to the Guardians. We'd have to give up some pitching. They'd probably come after guys like Gavin Williams and Logan Allen. It never seems like other teams have to give up those star prospects. So why are we always forced to give up those star prospects? I don't know. We do win a lot of trades, so it's not not totally blaming Anthony and Chernoff there. It just seems like teams come after our stars more than I see in other trades. So yeah, there is a way to make this team really competitive and a big threat heading towards the end of this season. There are still three months of regular season baseball left in this thing. We are just getting this summer cooking, okay? I know we just celebrated 4th of July, but there is a lot of summer left. And the front office could indicate to us exactly how they feel about that and where they think they're going. They got to make a move. That's their only way to communicate with us is by the moves they make. By the way, they did make a move. Uh, it's a to- it's a, like a relief pitcher thing. Uh, the guy's down at AAA, but he's added to the 40-man roster. We'll talk about it in a second. They also made a move with the, with the IL and starting pitching. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's finish off this game. All right. You know where I stand on this. I want to compete this year. I think this team has a lot of talent. And I want to compete. I want to stay aggressive. All right. Let's finish off talking about this game because the Guardians actually hit some home runs. All right. And look at that. Uh, it turns into a nice win. Uh, so, uh, we uh, Andres Jimenez uh, in the second inning, uh, his first at-bat of the game, he gets Jordan Lyles for a home run, ties the game up 1-1, definitely helps out Tanner Bybee, who threw a ton of pitches in the first and second inning. Really worked hard. 
somehow managed to hold it to a run run one run game. And Jimenez tying it up here in the bottom of the second. That's a nice boost for the guy. Knowing, okay, the offense is, has at least started. I've got some backup here. So what pitch did he did it on, do it on? It was a five-pitch at bat. Uh, starts him off with a four-seam fastball on the outside edge for a caught strike. Comes back with a sweeper uh, middle in off the plate that he fouls off. Uh, a curveball. Uh, that he fouls off on the outside edge. I believe one of these foul balls was like deep down one of the lines. Um, and he just missed a home run on one of these, I think. I, I kind of was in and out of this at bat, but I was listening to the guys talk. Uh, then gets a four-seam fastball up at the top of the zone. I mean, way up at the shoulders. I've said it before. If I were trying to strike out Andres Jimenez, I would go with a high fastball. Uh, he fouls it off, though. It stays alive. And then... Salvador Perez is definitely set up down in a way for a sweeper, kind of a backdoor sweeper there. And instead, it comes, it breaks inside to the lefty. And we've seen how many times lefties go down and turn on inside pitches there on the inside corner. And he hits this thing 102.3, 39-degree launch angle, 386 out to right field, 30 out of 30 ballparks. This thing is a home run in. And yeah, boom, tie game. All right, let's go. We have a chance for a rally, actually. Bell actually singles. Uh, Will Brennan singles after him. Miles Straw strikes out, and Bo Naylor grounds into that double play at 104.6 miles per hour. Man, the bottom of our lineup can really be frustrating sometimes. I mean, if a rally gets to Straw, I pretty much assume it's dead at this point. Uh, two singles in the, uh, third inning from, uh, Ramirez and Naylor, but this time Andres Jimenez strikes out. Um, so nothing to show there and it stays one, one for a while until we can flip that lineup back around and Ramirez and Naylor lead off the bottom of the sixth inning. We've already gone to the bullpen, you know, in the sixth, uh, who came in first? Eli Morgan comes in. He gets the win because of that. Um, so he manages, even though giving up a double to Blanco, uh, gets Nicky Lopez to ground out and strikes out Mikel Garcia uh, to end the sixth inning. Jose Ramirez comes up from the right side of the plate, by the way, and he gets one, 94.6 miles per hour. Well, let's get into the at-bat first. Come on, I don't want to spoil uh, I don't want to spoil it yet. Uh, I mean, you know what happened in this game, but let's get into the at-bat. Amir Garrett comes in from the bullpen, uh, so both teams are into their bullpen at this point. Throws him a ton of sliders. It's a six-pitch at-bat. Finally gets a slider. He was throwing him sliders. Um, You know, the lefty was throwing him sliders down at his knees, just trying to pound that inside part of the strike zone. He had just fouled one off down there. In fact, he fouled two off in this at-bat in the exact same location, the exact same quadrant, down and in. Throws him another one, and this time he gets it to lift, gets the lift on it. This time he drives it 94.6, 29-degree launch angle, 358, and a kid reaches out over the railing and makes the catch of the home run porch. So I gotta bring your glove to the games. It's a nice catch right there. And uh they they checked it just to make sure the kid didn't reach too far over, but no, this thing would have clanged off the railings there. The uh, the big set of railings. Uh, in the over the left field wall, and definitely would have been a home run. It's funny because in celebrating, the kid actually <laughs> drops the ball, uh, and the a fan who picked it up is nice enough to actually give it back to him. But the look of panic on his face for a second uh, when he thought he lost the ball, 
uh, was hilarious. And uh, luckily he gets it back and immediately goes right back to celebrating. Uh, the joy is all back. The panic's gone. Uh, so a good catch out there. Way to make yourself into a highlight. Uh, so Jose from the right side of the plate. He has hit a few from the right side of the plate this year, hasn't he? Right? Uh, the left side of the plate is where he's known for his power. But he gets one out there. And then Naylor... I have to apologize to Josh Naylor because I was really hard on him at the beginning of the season about lefty on lefty. The lefty on lefty matchup here, first pitch slider, and he turns on this thing. It's down at the knees again. He, Amir Garrett's keeping the slider down, trying to throw one for a strike and get ahead. And instead, it kind of breaks back into the middle of the plate. And Naylor turns on this thing, 95.7 mile power, exit velocity, 32 degree launch angle, 367 out to uh, right field. So a little bit more of an arcing shot from Josh Naylor as opposed to the line shot from Jose Ramirez. Uh, Ramirez would have been 19 out of 30 ballparks. Naylor, 26 out of 30 ballparks. This thing would have been a home run in. So a beautiful job, but do they stop? No, this is when Jimenez draws the walk. Uh, steals, uh, gets all the way to third base. One of these was two steals. One of these was a steal and a pass ball. I, I don't remember which one was the sixth, which one was the eighth. But either way, being aggressive on the base path. And like we said, Brennan knocks him in with that uh, fielding error. Uh, and we talked about the run in the eighth inning. You know, uh, Jimenez getting on, waiting for someone to drive him in. And it's finally Miles Straw after he gets his way to third. It's Miles Straw finally with two outs. Hey, He's he's a two what straws a two forty hitter uh, two thirty seven so I, it means he's gonna get a hit every now and then right less than a quarter of the time but still every now and then uh, so he gets one here drives in the run uh, Bo Naylor walks but Quan would line out to uh, end the rally but I just a good job of adding runs throughout the whole game. You know, the big sixth inning there, adding four runs in the sixth inning. They score in three different innings. Uh, and the home runs, the home runs definitely helped. Uh, really uh, added a lot. It adds life to the ballpark, man. It adds a spark of energy, especially Ramirez and Naylor going back-to-back. was a ton of fun there in the sixth inning. And there was really no looking back for the bullpen. Morgan solid, two strikeouts in his inning. De Los Santos pumping a ton of fastballs. Uh, it does give up a hit but a, uh, and a walk, so a, a few runners on base, but he's able to shut him down. Trevor Steffen looks good in the eighth inning. That's nice to see him have a nice shutdown inning, and then Sandlin finishes off the ninth. So the bullpen does their job. They're rock solid, and uh, Bybee doesn't get the win, uh, doesn't even get a quality start, but I think a good start. A good start for a guy, and you know, it's a rookie thing. It's a rookie thing. He's he's going to have games where he's going to have to work, uh, really work for it. And you would expect that from a rookie. It's not going to be perfect every time. Doesn't have a high whiff rate in this one. Only seven whiffs on 38 swings. It's an 18% whiff rate. Add an 11 called strikes. It's only a 20% CSW. So not overpowering, not dominant, but uh, is able to survive, especially those first two innings. And make it through five like really respectable job right there to make it through five after working so hard in the first two innings so a solid win from your cleveland guardians all right that off-field news that i was talking about wait 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 wait. 
MVP of the day. I'm not going to forget it today because I got someone picked out in mind. Absolutely, Andres Jimenez, MVP on the day. Uh, the two hits, two uh, extra base, uh, two, sorry, not extra base hits, a single and the home run. The home run to tie the game was was so nice early on uh, to let you know everybody know we're in this. We're ready. We're in this game. I know Kansas City kind of stunned us a little bit in the first inning, but we're in this game. Uh, to have all those stolen bases, it was the sixth inning that he had two stolen bases. It was the eighth inning where it was a stolen base, and then the pass ball moves him to third. Uh, but three stolen bases on the day. Uh, three runs scored from Andres Jimenez. Absolutely the spark plug of the offense. I, Ramirez and Naylor going back-to-back is a huge moment in this game. Maybe moment of the game might go to those guys, but MVP on the game definitely goes to Andres Jimenez. We do not get this win without him. All right, uh, off-field news. So Cal Quantrill pitches terrible on Wednesday, and now he's back on the IL with shoulder inflammation. And it's a little bit suspect. Not going to lie, it's a little bit suspect. Uh, to pitch that bad, and then, oh, oh, you know, maybe my shoulder, maybe I rushed my way back a little bit, my shoulder's still not feeling great. It really feels like they don't know what to do with Quantrill, and they're just moving him to the IL. And it's weird, baseball forces you to do this almost, because you need every single player available to you in baseball to make it through a game, let alone a season. In basketball and football, if a guy is really struggling, you can just bury him on the bench. You don't need all 12 guys in uh, in basketball. You're usually working with, what, a 9-10 to 10 man rotation? Uh, so you could bury someone on the bench if they need to you know, work some stuff out. And, and you can keep working with them in training and stuff like that and practice and, and eventually work them back into the rotation uh, slowly. Give them a few minutes here, a few minutes there, see what their shot looks like, how's their defensive effort. You can't do that with a starting pitcher. They have to pitch every five days. There's no just letting them ride it out in the back of the bullpen. You need every bullpen arm available to you, especially this team with so many rookie pitchers. So, uh, yeah, this is the only move you really can do to kind of hide a guy. Just put him on the IL. Say your shoulder's hurting. Say it's shoulder inflammation and put him on the IL. So I, it's, I, no, no confirmation on that. It just it feels a little suspect, right? Um, so uh, Cody, um, uh, Cody Morris gets recalled. He's definitely going to be some bullpen help through the All Star break. They don't need another starting pitcher to finish the first half of the season. And then we'll see. I mean, could Cody Morris get a start again? Does this open up an opportunity for him to start again? Possibly. He was a starter. In his career, uh, the only reason he's been in the bullpen for us is because we just hadn't needed a starter when it was his turn, basically, when he was available. Um, so, uh, or could Logan Allen be called back up after the All-Star break? I don't know how Allen's been doing down in Columbus. Uh, but this sounds like two reasonable options after the All-Star break. Uh, I, I hope they don't rush Quantrill back. I hope they don't force Quantrill back because he's he really has some things to work out. The other off-the-field news is they make a small trade with Baltimore. Did you hear about this? Like, it it almost missed my, uh, missed, uh, totally missed me. But Chris Valamont, who appeared in one game for Baltimore, literally gets called up on July 3rd to join the Major League team. 
gets into one game, faces two batters, and then they trade him to us for cash. So he's added to the 40-man roster. They move uh, McKenzie to the 60-day IL to make room for him on the 40-man roster. It's just some more depth, some more bullpen depth. I don't really know much on this guy. I can tell you in his one major league appearance, he threw seven sweepers, three four-seam fastballs, and a changeup. What was the velocity on those pitches? Uh, That'd be an interesting fact to learn. Um... So, uh, so, so three pitch mix, I guess, uh, the fastball is 94.1. So not overpowering, um, there when it comes to velocity, but the one thing I look at is, uh, especially in the minor leagues, uh, you know, most of his data here is coming from the minor leagues, but the K's per nine innings, that's the stat I always go to what's when the guardians trade for pitching. What is the guy's K per nine innings? Because they got a type. They hit the front office absolutely has a type. Type, and it is always a ten plus Ks per nine innings. It's always a double digit K per nine innings. They love a guy in the bullpen that can get some strikeouts, and so that's exactly what this guy is. He's a ten plus K per nine inning guy for most of his career, um, in the minor leagues so far. So he's, I think he's 26 years old, I want to say. Yeah, 26 years old, 6'5", 240, righty, um, drafted in the fifth round by the Miami Marlins. Oh, this is the other thing about him. Grew up in Erie, PA, so right next door to Cleveland, Ohio, or, you know, our neighbors to the east, uh, Erie, PA, went to Mercyhurst College, and I, I happened to stumble across his Twitter account. I don't normally follow athletes on Twitter, but a huge Cleveland sports fan. Like, was retweeting highlights from the 2016 World Series, uh, Rajay Davis's home run, was making comments about Browns players and stuff like that. Like, I'm pretty sure this dude is a hardcore Cleveland sports fan when he was growing up. So, uh, it's probably really fun for him to be in the Guardians organization now and have a chance to maybe come up and be some bullpen depth uh, here for the Guardians and get to play in Cleveland. So, uh, I hope we learn more about him if that does happen and find out what kind of uh, sports uh, Cleveland sports nut he is. So uh, Chris Valamont is your newest possible depth piece down at Columbus for the bullpen. All right, uh, that is the off-the-field news. Uh, we did get two emails, and, you know, I got to give them credit, man. They're so dedicated to emailing. Jeff with a G hit us up, Jeff in Columbus. He said, Davey, it's a whole different type of baseball when the Guardians hit a couple of home runs and string some hits together in an inning. Wow, what a difference. Is this what it feels like to be a Braves fan? Yeah, I think it is, Jeff with a G. Uh, kudos to Jimenez, Jose, and Josh Naylor for the bombs tonight, and it was nice to see Bo with that double two. By the way, Josh Naylor back in the lineup after the wrist thing, right? I didn't see. Was his wrist taped up? I, I didn't catch that or not. Um, but nice to see him back in the lineup and boom, hits a bomb right away. So he's, I, whatever they did in that one day off, he's feeling good. Uh, Jeff also said, I wanted to mention Jose's excellent defense tonight as well. He made two or three really good plays to get speedy Casey runners. There was a reason he is the highest war in MLB for third base. Uh, Bobby did a good job, even though he labored and the bullpen was excellent. Once again, can't say enough about Morgan, De Los Santos, Stefan and Sandlin. Fun game. Let's do it again. 
Jeff and Columbus. Yes, Jeff, thank you for pointing out defense there. You know, it's it's hard sometimes for me to catch defense because those things don't pop up in the stats, uh, in the different stat pages. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Jose made some fine, he made a fine backhanded play at one point and fired across the diamond. Uh, and, and a good lesson. Man, you could learn so much from watching Jose Ramirez. Even with a speedy runner, he does not rush the throw. He gets his feet set and then fires a rocket. I mean, when you have an arm like he has, I guess you can make up for it. But, you know, it's something I I always thought when I... They used to stick me at third base because I was a bigger guy, a little slow. Uh, they stuck me at third base growing up in Little League. And I always felt like I had to rush the throw. And I, I would make terrible throws to first base. And it wasn't until I realized I could slow down a little bit uh, that I actually kind of figured out how to play third base a little bit. I was never great at it. Uh, but it's a good lesson. Watching Jose here, it's a good lesson for those kids out there uh, that it's more important to set your feet and throw with the right mechanics than it is to try to rush a throw. Now, with that being said, he also charges in, makes a barehanded play, and fires across his body to get uh, Salvador Perez, I think, to at the end of the game there. Uh, so... You could do that too. So hey, we get a little bit of both from Jose. Uh, so thank you, Jeff, uh, for pointing out the defense. Marlon from Birmingham uh, hit us up. Tonight was a nice bounce back win. The offense produced and shockingly displayed power with three homers. Bybee wasn't sharp, but gave the team five innings of work. This feels like a learning lesson from him in the fact that he found a way to give his team a chance despite not having his best stuff. Shout out to Jimenez with a solo home run, nice defense, and his best Kenny Lofton impression by swiping three bases. He said it's nice to see Cody Morris recalled, giving that team the extra bullpen arm. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, Uh, he always uh, looks ahead to the series coming up. Uh, I don't like to look too far ahead, Marlon. I'm just focused on tomorrow. And in fact, speaking of tomorrow, uh, we've got another one against KC. It's going to be another night game, and then we'll get into some afternoon games over the weekend. But coming up tomorrow, it's going to be Savali taking the mound against Lynch, the left-handed pitcher. Uh, so uh, Savali, uh, he's he's been good right lately. It's it's actually nice to see him go out there. So we'll probably see a, some nice curveballs. You know, always from Aaron Savali. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thank you, Jeff and Marlon, for emailing in, joining the conversation. Again, the final from Progressive Field. It's your Guardian 6, the Royals 1. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.